there is only one true way to be enlightened and entertained with the best sports knowledge. That way is the American way. Welcome to the American Way podcast. Here's your host, Amir. Assalamu alaikum and good afternoon and welcome again to another episode of the American Way. I'm your host Amir Eldamiyadi. We got a great show today. Later on, a good buddy of mine, Ali Siddiqui of the Vikings of VikingsTerritory.com, joins me as we have a long, in-depth discussion about sports and old-school sports. But first of all, I just want to take the time to address uh, the comments made by Carl Anthony Towns last night. His first game back after four weeks uh, on the COVID on the COVID list, and I just feel like I feel like a lot of sports fans, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are not truly aware of the consequent of the consequences of covid. I feel like I feel like not a lot of people these days are actually listening to the guidelines or to the protocols. And cat uh, cat illustrated that very well after the game. He said uh, he said that his uh, his genes are very similar to his mother's who he lost last April to a battle of due to a battle of covid. And uh, he he explained how He's at, because because he's, he is at high risk. COVID quote unquote kicked my butt, end quote, and he talked about how it's it affected his mental health, and he was uh, spent a lot of dark night dark and sleepless nights in his house without the sound or TV. I know a lot of people on Twitter and social media were saying, well, the the co- uh, the COVID protocol in the NBA is only ten fourteen days. How come Carl's not back on the Wolves roster? After fourteen days, and he explained it. it's like it's COVID. It's it's a really serious thing. Not not a lot of people, especially in Minnesota, are truly following protocols. Everyone needs to be wearing the masks at all times, and we need to be uh, we need to be uh, conscious and conscientious of each other. And Katz uh, illustrated that very well. I think uh, uh, based on Katz's comments and based on Katz's ability to just come back onto the court. After a bout with uh, with COVID, and uh, where he he put up eighteen points, ten boards, I think it it should put to bed any myths. I know a myth was created by Jeannie Butler after he left that, and and other and others in the media when he left that Cat was was a soft player, a soft person. That's definitely not the case. I think I can make the sole argument that Carl Anthony Towns, if if not is 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 definitely one of the most mentally tough athletes we have right now today that he's dealing with all this mental mental all this mental strife his mom and other family members who died due to covid how he he's been off the court he bro- broke breaking his wrist twice just all all of this uh, we we can't we come to find out after the fact he was he was hospitalized due to a, a being hit by a drunk driver it just Cat is a cat is a tough dude. The fact that he's able to not compare, not and not just the fact that he's able to come back onto the court and 
and uh, show that he can play, but able to not have to compartmentalize it. A lot of people who are going through mental mental health struggles, they feel, oh, we need to compartmentalize it, in a, in a sense. Especially athletes who are talking macho. But I love, I just love how Carl was so transparent to the media last night, and how he explains the effects, the effect, the effects of his battle of COVID had on him mentally, and and all the. All he had to go through just to get back on the court. I just appreciated it, and I just wanted everyone to know how how strong and mentally tough Cat is. But more importantly, to listen to his words, listen to the words that he's telling us. I know uh, the Athletics John Krasinski, who we're gonna have on sometime next week. He uh, he wrote a beautiful article this morning talking about how we should just li- we should all listen to what Cat uh, Carl was telling about that people are not following. The restrictions very well. People think that it's not uh, COVID is not as serious as it truly is. So I just wanted to express my appreciation for Carl and all he's been through, and say that he is a hundred percent right. Uh, we'll be back after this short break with, with my guest Ali Siddiqui of VikingsTerritory.com. dot com. This call is being recorded. Good afternoon, good afternoon, Ali. Uh, thanks for joining me on the American Way podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, for sure, man. How 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 have you how have you, how, how have you been holding up lately? I'm doing good. I know it's um, yeah. I know the uh, looking forward to the uh, NFL off season, the draft, the twin season, and yeah, I know the Wolves are. I mean, having a rough year, but yeah, which has been happening a lot and so forth. But yeah, I'm still keeping tabs on them. And but yeah, I mean, I looked. Um, I like what I've seen from some of the young guys. I know, even though the season's been a been pretty tough, but you know. Yeah, I know. I think I agree. I think it's been frustrating just watching the Wolves. Uh, as you as you know, I think. It's it's been hard with all the injuries and with Cat's situation. Uh, it's it's hard to judge, but I agree that it's kind of been a downer. So I'm looking forward to the other teams as well, like you. Yeah, and I'm just also um you know continuing to blog for Vikings territory, Viking Age, and recently wrote about how um you know how far are the Vikings from competing for the Super Bowl, and I talked about how, yeah, I know it's, I don't think it's, I mean, I'm not making any guarantees, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't think it's too crazy that they could, I mean, I mean got um, Neil Hunter and Michael Pierce coming back, that will be really huge for the defense, I mean, they got, rookies were very good last year, and I mean, they got a lot of young talent, some players who haven't hit their hit their prime yet and I mean they could perhaps have another good draft but yeah the uh, what they do in free agency will definitely be interesting I know they're going to be minus 7 million they're going to be 7 million over the cap but you know dozinski has been very good at managing the cap so you know I think they could you know add some new pieces that will help a lot too we'll see with that I agree with you I liked your piece and I loved it uh, 
Yeah, I think talk moving into talking about the Vikings. I think I think I don't know what you think about this. I think to get the cap space, it's fairly three fairly three or four fairly easy easy moves right off the bat. I think Kyle Rudolph won't be back. I think you'll you'll have four million of dead cap, but you save about six million by getting letting him go. And I think it's based on the move they made the other day bringing Greg Joseph. I think Dan Bailey. They're gonna cut him uh, before his guarantee, and I think they might also do the same with uh, Colquitt. And uh, I think also they might extend Reese. I don't know. What you, I don't know what you think. If, if there's anything else I'm missing, you, uh, you you can jump in. But I think those are four easy moves off the bat to create space. Uh, yeah. So then, um, yep. So and then the, um, I think Shamar Steph cutting Shamar Stephan that saves about three point seven five million. I think. They'll definitely do that, you know. He, I mean, they definitely need. They'll definitely do that, and then, um, yeah, Bailey, I could see being cut. Cole quit possibly, although I hope that doesn't happen. I mean, he's a he's a good punter, and also from a holding standpoint, he's helped a lot too. But yeah, I mean, Dan Bailey. I mean, this past, last year he was good, but yeah, this year he he really struggled. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if Joseph will be the answer, but I mean, they do save about close to 2 million by cutting Bailey. So that will help. And then um, I'm interested to see if they also, um, I think Jalen Holmes, I think they'll cut him. That saves close to a million. And then um, I think they could also um, see who else. Um, Mike Hughes. I wonder if they move on from him. I mean, he's had moments where, He's shown some potential, but I know he's been hurt a lot. And they could perhaps, I mean, maybe sign a sign a corner via free agency. Yeah, I think I think in free agency, I think that's an underrated thing to look at is corner. I think one name that I, I don't know what you think about this name, but I saw uh, yesterday the Broncos are, are releasing uh, uh, Bou- uh, Josh Bouye. I think I know he's going to be missing the first two games of next season. But he's a veteran corner. You could probably get cheap because it because he won't play the first two games. And he, when he's healthy, Boye Boye has uh, been pretty good. I don't know. I don't know what you think. That's a name I'd be watching. Yeah, I mean, I bet, yeah, that could definitely be a very low risk, high reward move. You know, and yeah, him missing the first two games will definitely bring his market down. So that could really work in the. Vikings favor and then um, another thing that I'm in- very interested to see is what they do with Anthony Barr he's due 15.5 million he has a dead cap of around 8 million I mean I would like to see him back I mean not for that much certainly for 15 million but uh and thing is although um he has he's, he hasn't been the same player since 2015 which was the second year but I mean he's still um he still brings some value to the team. He's um he's good at he's good against the run, rushing the quarterback, you know, I mean teams like to game plan for him, which opens things up for others. He's a good leader to have on the field and Eric Wilson, I don't think he'd be bad because he's gonna cost around ten million a year and he's a he's good in coverage, but I mean he does uh he does struggle against those other areas that I mentioned bar that in bar he's not a great covered guy but i mean i don't think he's terrible either yeah i think i think uh i think 
a lot of people were clamoring for Wilson think so mid season they were thinking, well, move on from Barr and Wilson's better, but I think for this particular scheme, Barr is more valuable. I think Wilson's numbers were eye popping last year, but it's it's really only one year he's produced those kind of numbers. And I feel like Barr is Barr is a good tackler. Wilson struggled struggled mightily against the run. And I feel like that that's what killed the Vikings defense last year. So I feel like I feel like Barr is very valuable in that he's very good at penetrating the, uh, when stopping the run. Yeah, I agree. And and the thing with um, I think is I mean Wilson can make some very splashy plays at times. But yes, you're talking about the missed tackles. Yeah, I remember um, I remember seeing a stat too that um. This year alone, Wilson missed more tackles, and I think Barr did the last, what was it, four years combined, something like that. So that's concerning. Yeah. Oh, you were saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I, 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 was, I was just agreeing with you. Well, that? Oh, you were saying something, I, I, I was just saying, I was just agreeing with you, so I, you. Okay. And then, uh, Another thing too, I mean, um, I'm looking. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Riley Reef. I mean, he um, he did come off a very good year, but at the same time, I mean, if they cut him, they could um, they would save 11 million. So I mean, like, I'd be completely fine if they um, if they if they try to restructure him. I don't know if he'll agree to that, but I mean, I think one thing they could do is um, I prefer is that they release him. Save the eleven million dollars, move Ezra Cleveland there, and then, you know, perhaps you know, sign to now. I mean, it would be great if they can get Brandon Shura for Joe Thune. I mean, it's I know it's going to be extremely difficult with their cap situation, but who knows? Maybe they can find more ways to clear cap, sign them, or at the very least, they could sign another guard or two. Like um, I know we, you and I talked about the um. We talked about the guard from uh, the Steelers who could be available. Uh, Steelers. Uh, yeah. What was his name again? Uh, I know the I know the one guy. I was think I don't know if I mentioned this name to you, but the one name I'm looking at is John Feliciano. He plays for the, he played for the Buffalo Bills last the last couple of years, and he's he's a he's he's very solid against uh, for run uh, for run blocking. I don't know how great he is pass blocking, but uh, I think I I don't I don't know if we'll be able to. I like Scherf and Thune. I don't know if we'll be able to actually afford afford either of them, but I think you need a solid name, and I think I, I think the guy the guy you were mentioning, and I think Feliciano. I think those are two guys they could pursue there. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was looking back to yeah the. Uh... The guard I was referring to from the Steelers, uh, it's uh, Matt uh, Filer, I believe is his name. And then I, I was looking at uh, I was looking at WalterFootball.com. Some of their um, their agents, uh, best agents among guards, they have him as the uh, they have him as the third best one. So I mean, like, I mean, I don't know how much he'll cost, I and mean, he might cost a decent amount, but he. He, he won't cost as much as Thune or Scherf. Yeah, he won't. I think, I think the, the Vikings will do stuff in free. They'll, they'll they'll find a way. I don't think they'll go for the top names at each position, 
but I think you're right that a guy like Matt Steeler, a guy like Luciano, they'll 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 have to increase, they'll have to improve at in the interior because obviously uh, Dozier won't be back, and I I don't know what they'll do with Cleveland. So I think you're right. I think that that will probably one. I think one or two two areas that they need to really address in free agency are the two lines, offensive and defensive. So I think those I think those are names to watch at guard. Or, Steeler and Feliciano. Yeah, and I mean, um, I mean, right now the offense is definitely much better than the defense. But I mean, I'm still my biggest concern once again is the line. I mean, like, I mean, even if they had average play at guard overall, it would have made a huge difference. I mean, obviously, I mean, yes, when Cleveland played there, he did well, even though that wasn't his um, natural position. But we saw Dozier and Samia struggled mightily, and um. And Kirk Cousins, although he's done a good job staying healthy, you have to wonder how many more hits can he take with that line. And then um, the defense, I mean, yeah, it was pretty bad last year. I mean, I don't think it will be top 10 next year, but perhaps top 15. And given the offense, you know, it should also improve too. I think that will just being top 15 could really, really be huge for them. I agree. And I think, the thing about defense, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people were talking obviously about the secondary and their struggles. I think the major struggles, and I think Hunter and Pierce will help a lot with this, is we, they they produce no pass rush, no pass rush. They I think they combined had 22 sacks, and nobody had more sacks than Unique Ngakwe, who had six. Other than that, all the other uh, players, all the other defensive linemen who were on the team week 17. The most they had was three, and I think they had a a low a low of a, a, I think the lowest pressure rate they've ever had under Zimmer. So I think definitely in the draft, if not in free agency, they'll need to find another edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um I could definitely see him. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was I was just gonna ask well, what what you thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I I I could definitely see him going for a pass rusher in the first round, you know, there's expected to be some good ones. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I originally wanted Everson Griffin back on a cheap deal, but, you know, given what he said about cousins on Twitter, I know he deleted it, but given about all that stuff he said, yeah, I don't think that's going to work out, but yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I like to see him, but I like to see him go for a pass rusher in the first round. Then um, DJ Wanham, I mean, I don't know if he'll ever be a long-term starter, but I like what I saw from him. And at the very worst, he could be a he could be a very good rotational guy for them. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if I don't know if he'll ever project as a long-term starter, but I think the ideal scenario would be to have guys like Ifadi Odedikbo and Wanam as rotational pass rushers that you can come in on second and third down. Then you have Hunter and Player X at the other spots as your starters. I think that would be the ideal scenario. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, maybe he could be what Lance Johnstone was for them. I mean, Johnstone wasn't a starter. I mean, he didn't get too many snaps, but when he was in, like he would still, he he get good pass rush. He'd get double digit sacks. I mean, who knows? Maybe Wanham could be that kind of guy for them. Definitely. And, uh, like D-Rob also, and D-Rob early in his career, uh, he wasn't a starter. I think the first 
the years that the, the two years they went to the playoffs, he wasn't. I think I think D. Rob had the Lance Johnston role, if I'm not mistaken, on those defenses. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I I, I that 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 role I agree with you. If if Warnham could play that role, to be great. Yeah, so Johnstone was there from from 2001 to 2005, and then um he did start all 16 games in 02, but um but then yeah the the other the other four years he only started a total he started a combined seven games, and yeah he I mean he he had two years where he had um double digit sacks with him. He had ten in 2003, eleven in 2004, and he only played. He only started one game total, and I remember um, one game, 2003. You know, against the Broncos, the game where they um, Moss had that lateral to Mo Williams. Yep. I remember um, my, my favorite Mike play Tice, of all time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mike Tice gave Johnstone the game ball, and they. Um, I remember he he had a pick six that game. I believe he had a sack or two. But yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, Johnstone was a very underrated player for them, and I mean. And yeah, my hope is even if um, Wanham can't be a full-time DE, you know, I hope at the very least he could be what Johnstone was, or at least close to it. Yeah, I think that's that's a good take. I think you're right. If Wanham for the next season, if Wanham could be in that role, that would help the defensive line greatly. So, so moving on, I you posed the you posed the question earlier on social media that I wanted to get your take on and. Keep in mind, you were asking everyone your, uh, their, for their favorite athlete of all time. So, just wondering if I could get your uh, your your answers, and then I can give you my my three guys, my Mount my Mount Rushmore, if you will. Oh, oh yeah. So my favorite all time is Michael Jordan. He's the guy that got me into sports. So yeah, um, I was in third grade. He made his uh, return from from baseball 95 and before that you know I actually I mean I, I'm really obviously I'm very into sports now but at that time whether it was playing sports or even watching it I had no interest at all then Jordan came into the he made his comeback so I mean for the first years like for the first year or so I I mostly just watched him and then after that I got more into it you know I became a huge Wolves fan Vikings twins and it's been I've been um been been a diehard of all three of those teams since, and yeah, actually um it was like a week or two after Jordan made his first return, I ended up getting his number forty five jersey. I mean, yeah, he ended up switching back to twenty three, but I I still have that forty five jersey, although it doesn't fit me anymore. But I still have it sitting in my closet, and um you know, yeah, so yeah, Jordan was my favorite of all time. Say number two, so I'll go with my top five. Yeah, number two. Kirby Puckett, I only saw him very briefly, but, you know, he brought us two world championships, you know, which obviously in Minnesota sports, that's extremely difficult to do. And then number three, number three, Kevin Garnett. I mean, he's my favorite Timberwolf of all time. And he made the Wolves, he made them relevant for the first time. And then number four, Chris Carter. He was, um, when I first became a Viking fan, 96, he was their best player, and then number five, Randy Moss. He came came two years later, and he really helped um, um, jumpstart the franchise. I mean, they couldn't even they had trouble selling out games, and as soon as he came, it, that all changed. 
Yeah, I agree with you. It's funny that we share uh, three out of the four. That uh, I was uh, Carter's prime was before my time, but Michael was my favorite of all time. I agree with you there. Actually, actually, a funny story is uh, I I don't know if my parents ever told me the truth, but my uh, my first words were actually Michael Jordan. Of course, they didn't sound like that, and I ended up being uh, shamed the rest of my life, uh, being nick being granted the nickname of Nico the rest of my life because of that. But I agree, he's my fa- he's my favorite of all time, just because uh, the create the creativity and the how he just his his will. So he was my favorite of all time. Uh, Moss of definitely I think, and I think Moss gets a he gets a tough rap, but he was really good. Like and, and when when I started watching sports, like he was he was really good. You're right that he brought the attention back to the to the fans, you know. Uh, and then and then of course Garnett and I feel, Garnett like KG, I similarly to MJ, but like because he wore the Timberwolves jersey, so I loved him. Was he had similar traits that he he did never took a game off, and he was he was just so he brought so much passion. So I feel like those three they hold a special place in my heart that they were the first three athletes that introduced me to sports. Now, I feel like today, I, like I love some of the athletes today, but it's like, I don't know what you think, but it feels weird that most of the best athletes today, especially Minnesota, are either my age or younger. So I feel like those three are my 10 pole guys on my list. Yeah, for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, I'm, um, I'm 34 right now. So yeah, it's, um, there aren't very many athletes left in today's game that are about my age or older. Like, um, like I found out recently, um, JJ Berea, I'm not, I'm sorry. Uh, JJ Reddick is 30. I was like, wow, I, I didn't, re- it doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's been in the league for that long. I think he's in year 15 now. You know, I was like, yeah, I was recently tweeting this and I told some friends, I was like, yeah, I feel like I was just watching him at Duke, like what, five, six years ago. It doesn't feel like he's been in the league that long. Same, yeah, and I remember I remember watching him in college. He was one of he was a player I gravitated towards him and uh, him and his, within later staff and just certain certain guys like uh, obviously like MJ and KG are my favorites, but like growing up before I lost my vision, like I could never imagine myself dunking like those guys. Like a guy like like JJ, and then later guy like Steph, like you could do that. Those are, that's stuff that anybody could do if you work on it. Yeah, I agree. And also, I mean, like, um, Curry is is a big reason why the game is more focused on threes. You know, like, obviously, he's he's one of the best three-point shooters of all time. And I think uh, him, you know, I mean, like, before he came into the league, I mean, the league wasn't wasn't very – wasn't as big on shooting threes. But I know, obviously, now that's a lot different. And – um It is. So I was, so I was one. I was, I said something interesting the other day. I know KG was. Uh, he was promoting his book. And he was mentioning how none of the guys in his era could play in today's NBA. And I, I'm wondering what you think, but I think that he's slightly wrong. And that I feel like the power forwards of his generation, uh, and it could could have could have thrived in today's game with the with the spacing and the three. I felt like uh, KG and Duncan and 
Weber and those guys, they would have thrived in today's league. I don't know what you think. Yeah, and and I, and I read um I read the article too, and and I I do definitely agree with some of the things he said. Like he was talking about how you know um guys back then you know it, it wasn't as difficult to play defense. Like you could use your hands more, whereas obviously now that's a lot different. And and you know and yeah, a big reason. I mean, I mean besides besides the fact that three pointers are more common now. I mean the guard play is better now. But yeah, part of the reason, another big reason why the scoring is much higher now is again, you, um, you can't, you can't play as much defense as you can back then. I mean, you still can, but it's, it's harder now, you know, obviously like KG said, you know, you can't use your hands as much and, and yeah, they call fouls a lot more now. So, I mean, even though playing defense is still doable, but it's definitely a lot tougher now than it was early on. So I, so yeah, I do agree. Like, you know, like look at guys like Rodman, Ben Wallace. I mean, obviously they were known, strictly for their they didn't have offense you know they were strictly known for their defense and rebounding so i mean yeah it, it def, those guys still would have been very good defenders but it definitely would have been tougher for them definitely i think the i think the best play now obviously mj could play in year but i think the best player from the 90s who i think could play in today's game and and be like a superstar in today's game with today's rules is hakim Olajuwon. i think you look at like you look at, I feel like what Giannis is the best player, and you look at Embiid also. I feel like they sort of are today's. They they sort of both sprinkle in what Hakeem did. I felt like he used he used he used the spacing that he was given in his era, but I felt like just the way he the way he played his game that he he had so many moves that I felt like he could have really thrived in today's game. Yeah, and I think um. Well, yeah, like, uh, so about him, and then also, like I mentioned, back to um, Rodman and Wallace. I mean, um, I mean, Rodman, I think um, he would have benefited more because, in some ways, because the big men aren't as good as they were back. Rodman had to go against, wasn't a big man, dominant era. He had to always go up against guys like, he had to always guard guys like Hakeem, Shaq, Morning, Malone. So, I mean, and so, yeah, so, like, he wouldn't have had to, True, he wouldn't have had to guard guys as much back then, but I think so that part would have definitely benefited him. I think he would have had more rebounds too because it's also less physical. And, you know, you, other people can't stay in the lane for as long anymore. But, yeah, I mean, I think um, still it would have been – but, yeah, like I said, the one thing that would have been tougher, though, is he would have had to um, – you know, the rules are much different now. And But, yeah, for Hakeem, I agree. He would have been better in – today's game I know um especially offensively yeah because um again you know he wouldn't have had to um like I said the big men aren't as good nowhere near as good as back then he he wouldn't have had to go up against you know guys like Shaq right now Morning Ewing some of those other guys I mentioned too and and yeah again not only is it a much less physical game now but yeah defenders can't stay in the paint for more than three seconds anymore so I mean I think I mean, yeah, that's why I think guys like, yeah, Hakeem, those other guys I mentioned, they would have been, those big guys would have been better in today's game. I agree. I think, I think there's a lot of great players that just wouldn't have, I, I, I would I don't think Shaq would have been really that great in today's game. I, I love him as a player, like in his time, but I, I felt like Shaq, I don't feel like Shaq would have done as well in today's era. Maybe the Orlando version of Shaq, because he was simple and quick, but, 
I felt like the most of his prime, he would have struggled in today's era because not like there's less of a post presence. Um, everyone, you have to you have to go and guard outside. Yeah, a little bit, and yeah, and also the thing is, um, you know, Shaq's biggest weak weakness was free throws. I mean, like given that they call fouls more, he would have been fouled fouled more, which would have been harder for him to finish. He would have had to. Rely on his free throws even more than he did back then. Oh yeah, he definitely. Yeah, again, I think he. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the um, yeah, like I said, like before, I know um, it was physical in his era, but the good thing is that it didn't seem to matter that much because again, um, he was able to outpower them, and and again, like a lot of players, like especially Michael Jordan and those guys, they would have benefited in today's era, you know, with with being able to shoot more free throws, I mean, for Shaq, given he always struggled with free throws, it would have, it would have hurt him more. It de- yeah, you're, you're right. It, de- it definitely would have. It definitely would have. Uh, and, uh, so what? So let me ask you something uh, here. So talk about the, which what not to bring up bad memories, but I'm just curious. Like what's the? I know you you said in the past like. The most heartbreaking loss is ninety eight. I'm just curious, like, like what, what, what is the most, what are the, are the two most heartbreaking Minnesota moments for you? So like, what are the two greatest? Oh, yeah, I definitely. You've been, been, um, been a fan for a long time, so. Yeah, ninety eight and two thousand nine. Those were the, the toughest ones, and like, um, and yeah, I sometimes still talk about toughest losses and sports Minnesota sports history or Vikings and yeah for um overall yeah those are still the two toughest I mean um that 98 team I mean yeah I mean like um whether they could have beaten the Broncos or not I mean they perhaps could have but I mean yeah I said it still would have been a tough one I mean Broncos had a great team too with Elway Terrell Davis Shannon Sharp Rod Smith Ed McCaffrey it would have also been an outdoor game which you know Vikings are since they moved to the dome, they've been better indoors always. And then, um, and then, yeah, their defense was also Vikings defense was banged up too. Ed McDaniel tore his ACL in that 98 game. And then Randall re-injured his knee. And um, he, I mean, he very likely still could have played in the Super Bowl, but he might've been limited. And then um, in uh, the 2009, I mean, Loss. I mean, although I think they would have had a better shot the Super Bowl due to opponents, you know, I think that Colts team was much more beatable than a 98 Broncos, but I'd still say 98 stung more because they were highly, highly favored to beat the Falcons. I mean, Falcons had a good team too, but it was at home. I mean, they were highly favored. And then, yes, they jumped out. Vikings jumped out to a quick 20 to seven lead. And then they had the ball up, with that score, but then there was a sack fumble. The um, Falcons recovered. They later scored a touchdown to cut it to 20-14, to and then eventually they tied up the score and won in overtime. So, yeah, I mean, that that loss still stings. I mean, both of them do, but, yeah, 98 always has stung more for me than 09. Yeah, I guess because I'm younger, I guess 98. Like I know about ninety eight and it 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 stings, but I think for me like I uh, I think when I when I'm old and in my rocking chair and with my grandkids I think I'll still be complaining about the two thousand nine game, 
And I think I think the two most underrated moments of 2009 that people don't talk about is right before halftime, Reggie Bush fumbled the ball. It was a it was a I think Cooley punted it inside the ten, and he must the punt. And the Vikings had a chance to take the lead right before half, and he barred through a touchdown, and it was a penalty on Sullivan. I think it was John Sullivan false start, and the very next play, AT fumbled, and they went to halftime. And then I think in overtime, even after the Favre interception and all those turnovers, I think the two plays back-to-back of the two uh, you know, the two guys I'd love to talk to someday about this is Chad, I think Chad Greenway, if you look at that play, he knocked the ball away with his helmet right before Pierre Thomas got to the first down marker. If they would have, if they would have spotted the ball correctly, Vikings would have had it at the 40 in being only 10, 15 yards to win the game. So I think that one hurts more. I know obviously the 2017 game, that pro, uh, the, the miracle that sort of offset it a little bit, but I think that game is always going to haunt me the rest of my life. Yeah, there were really lots of bad calls and that really hurt them. But yeah, I mean, in the end, I mean, they just made too many mistakes. I mean, the fact that they were minus four in the takeover battle, it still really won. I mean, that just shows, I mean, like, for the most part, they played well enough to win, but just they made mistakes. And especially, yeah, like you mentioned, that quantum perfect opportunity and they go up and they even if they just kicked a field goal that would have really been huge and then also later on and also there's there's a far of interception at the end I mean there was one the first one he threw the Saints hit him below the waist that did not get called I mean that was a very crucial call and then and then um, Bernard Bering fumbled deep in Saints territory I mean even a field goal there would have been huge too. And then fumbled, um, he, he fumbled deep in the territory and then they recovered a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, just all those, yeah, there were some really bad calls, especially over time. But in the end, I mean, they made way too many mistakes. I mean, they, they should have won that game. I mean, they, I mean, they had 16 more first downs. I think they outgained them by like, close to 200 yards. But yeah, just in the end, just those mistakes just really killed them that game. It definitely did. It definitely did. It's, it's something that bothers me. That it'll, it'll just bother me. So I understand you were in the building. When, uh, let me paint this for the audience. The Vikings are down four with 10 seconds to go. And you're in, this, you're in the U.S. Bank Stadium watching the game right as they snap the ball. Up up till the Stefan runs into the end zone. What are your What are your thoughts from from that moment? From those moments? Yeah, so I remember. Um, yeah, yeah. So I remember. Um, yeah, they were down twenty four to twenty three. The Saints just kicked the goal right before the Saints kicked off. I mean, yeah, there was a there was a woman in my section. You know, she's she stood up and she's telling everyone, "He's like, hey, come on, it's not over yet, everybody." have faith but yeah like me um, I thought the game was 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 over yeah I mean I just like was sitting down I had um I had my head down but then um and then yeah like um then yeah like as soon as Diggs caught the ball I mean the place went nuts and the first thing I was wondering okay is he is he in bounds is he in is he in bounds so yeah like they showed the replay I saw he was clearly in and 
and yes, I mean, I know obviously the next week could be a major disappointment, but yeah, just seeing them that, especially in person, I, man, that was just. When, I mean, I didn't think it was a deal that they were going to make the bowl and perhaps win it, but just given that they never win like that, you know, they've been on the losing side of those kind of plays, but yeah, it just made me think that, oh, you know, maybe the stars are aligning, you know, maybe we're meant to host, be the first team to ever host the Super Bowl at home. Maybe this will finally be the year they get their first ring. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the next week it ended up being very disappointing. But yeah, just that moment was just, wow, it was just unreal. So I was, I, w- I was watching on television, but was, was that the loudest building you've ever been in? I would say so. And yeah, it was like, my voice was gone for like at least a few hours. I mean, man, I was just, it was just going nuts. And then um, my wife who, um, she was visiting LA at the time. She was in her, in her, her family. She doesn't even, she doesn't pay attention to sports outside of cricket, but yeah, she happened to text me after the game and she's like, Oh, how was the, how did, how did the game go? And I was like, Oh, it's the best game I've ever been to or ever watched in my life. I was like, yeah, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, I think my, my perspective it was like I, I just because like, like you said we've never seen any uh, them actually win those sort of games, so I was I was resigned to think it was over, and I'm a I'm a fairly religious person, but like I've I've never liked to pray for a sporting events to make sense. It's like well it's just it's like it's not it's not worth it. It's like you pray for like important things. But I, uh, I go to my mom. My mom was like, "I'll make a prayer for you and for the for the mothers and wives of all the Vikings players." And she went out to shovel, and she heard the whole block explode. And she's like, "Well, I guess uh, my prayer is answered." So it's not this, not as uh, exciting experience as yours, but it's. I feel like everybody has a story of where they were when that happened. Yeah, and I'm with you. I usually don't like to pray about sports. It's it's very rare that I do because there's things much bigger in life. But yeah, I admit I was praying, you know, before that I was like, oh, please let us win this game. And then my mom, who doesn't even pay attention to sports, I mean, she was watching it at my uncle's house, so she knew the game was getting, was very big. So like she told me, she's like, yeah, even I prayed for them to win. And looks like that prayer was answered. It definitely was. Definitely was. So, based on the needs that the Viking, the current Vikings have going into 2021, you could pick any two, any three all-time Vikings players to play on the 2021 roster. Who would you choose and why? First one is Randall McDaniel. I mean, they really need guards. I mean, McDaniel is one of the best guards ever. You know, there's him and then... uh, John Randall, I mean, great defensive tackle, one of the best there is. I mean, Vikings could really use a pass rush, especially especially at defensive tackle. And then um, my, uh, let's see, number three, and I mean, even though Moss and Carter are, are my two players ever, they don't need receivers as much. But yeah, let's see, who should I go? Number three, I say say... Uh, I'd probably say Antoine Winfield. He's one of my favorite players ever. I mean, 
not only was a decent cover guy, but I mean, his tapping abilities were just amazing. I mean, he's um, at the corner of the receipt, and he could very well be the best one ever, at least very close to. Yeah, I, I think I, I like your list. I like your list. I agree with McDaniel and uh, McDaniel and uh, John and Johnny. Uh, I think maybe you could make an argument for like a guy like Ron uh, Ron Ron Yeri maybe uh, if you if you don't go McDaniel. But I think I think McDaniel is a good option there. I like the Winfield pick. I think I personally would probably choose. Uh, a, I I would probably I would, I would probably go with Paul Krause just because I feel like we have enough corners. I feel like Antoine was more of a corner in his prime, and I feel like we could use another safety next to Harry. So I'd, I'd go, with, I'd probably go with Paul Krause. But I like your list. Yeah, I was. I think um, it's, it's, it's a very good list. Yeah, I was thinking of, I was thinking of Krause too. I mean, and he obviously was a ball hawk, so he'd be, he'd be a very good option too. And then also, um, this, uh, or I mean, I was thinking about maybe adding a linebacker too. I mean, they could use an extra linebacker, but. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's a, that's a, it's 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 good. It's fun fodder to fun fodder to think about going into the season. So I understand you're a big fan of the old classic, old school TV shows as as I am. I know, like the sitcoms of the of the 2020s. Not a lot of great ones. I mean, I love I love Community. I love Parks and Rec. But I feel like most of the old shows people forget about. Like. I, it's kind of shameless, but I like to watch reruns of Fresh Prince like every day, sort of. So I'm just w- w- just want to get get your astute mind on old school TV. Yeah, and since I grew up in the '90s, you know, I always have like a. I mean, those always bring back good memories. So I mean, and over the years, there's been times where I've some um, I've rewatched some reruns, and yeah, there was a lot lot of shows I enjoyed watching back then. There was Saved by the Bell, Fresh Prince. I watched a little bit of. Then it was Family Matters, Step by Step. Then also um, there was Hang Time, Full House. And watched. Um, I did mention Step by Step, and yeah, the, um, there's some other ones too. But yeah, those are some of the main ones that come up. Uh, Home Improvement was another show I loved watching as a kid, and years I watched some reruns too. Back. A little bit every now and then. Was Hank the one with Reggie Diaz as the coach? Hang time, yep. And uh, Anthony Anderson was one of the one of his players, one of his star players. Wow, so it's a young Anthony Anderson. That must be interesting. Yeah, because I, I knew about Reggie Diaz like that he was a coach, and I know him and him and MJ never got along. Like I knew he was on that show. I, I don't. I don't recall watching it, but uh, it's not, I've heard of it. Yep, it's, it was a very good show. And then uh, later on, um, Dick Butkus, he actually played the basketball coach. He replaced Reggie Theus. I mean, the still good, but it, but yeah, it was it was better when it was the original with Reggie Theus and Anthony Anderson. And yeah, there was a episode where came on. Gary Payton, Mitch Richmond. I mean, some of the some of the star players ended up coming on. Some some came on some episodes. 
Yeah, I think I think that there's good shows today. Like each era has their own great comedy shows, the sitcoms. I I don't know what you think about this, and I, I know my listeners are probably going to get mad at me for saying this. I just think The Office is overrated. I think I know a lot of people are going to get mad at me. I just I've watched The Office. There's some funny moments, but I feel like it pe- people who have watched it overrated just a tiny bit. Well, that's a favorite show of all time. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. We all think differently. But yeah, I mean, Parks and Rex, I've seen episodes. I like that too. And this, it's not a ninety show, but yeah, but I mean, it's still um, my favorite show ever. And then um, there's this other show not to mention too. I mean, like Build was another good show, and then also Friends. I mean, Friends was ninety four to oh four, but Friends. One of my favorite shows ever. Yeah, Friends is a good one. I, I'm not trying to say that The Office is a bad show. I don't think that at all. It's a good show. I just, I guess, I don't know if it's the greatest of all times. That's that's, but that's just my different opinion. I think there's a lot of good shows. I, th- I think, I think today, like especially with TV and movies and sports, a lot of people get offended if they have different different opinions. I just think it's 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 healthy, and I wanna. I want to establish this on the podcast that it's okay for everybody to have different opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we all have different opinions, and you know, and you know, one of the things is like um, whether we're talking about movies, music, sports. And, I mean, I like having debates and different. I mean, nothing wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, it's good that we're all different too. I mean, we're. I mean, like, I think somebody on Twitter not too long when I agreed with them, he was saying, you know, she's talking about how kids are, you know, high school kids, middle school kids, and but how they treat people differently. And he was like, yeah, one of the things kids don't realize is the world would be a boring place if we were all the same. I was like, yeah, I agree. It would be a boring place if we were all the same. That's why we need we need we need uh, uniqueness. Everyone needs to be unique. Oh, I agree. You know, that's that's what makes one of the fun things about life is, you know, and I remember I was once telling um, one of my old managers, you know, yeah, most of my friends, they either don't care about sports or just little. And, and he was surprised. What? But you're like obsessed with sports. And I told him, I was like, well, I mean, that's not all I'm into. I mean, like, even my friends that are big sports guys, I mean, we talk about other things too. I mean, you know, and we, we, so we have some different interests too, but you know, that's all good. Very, it's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. Thank you so much, Ali, for your time. We'll have to, we'll have to have you on again. You've been great. It's been a pleasure getting you getting to have you on. It's, I just want to let you know it's been a pleasure. It's it's always been a pleasure of mine to interact with you and to call you friends. Thank you so much. For sure, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, we're back. Thanks again to Ali for joining us. So now I want to talk about the only team in town that's really provided a lot of winning and a lot of success over the years. 
that looks that looks to be uh, playing well. Uh, that that looks to have a be poised to have a great season, and that's the Minnesota Lynx. Free agency has gone really well. They picked up all three-time All Star Kayla McBride, who who comes over from the Las Vegas Aces, and they also picked up a a, a solid bench player in Stephanie Achunua from Indiana. But the thing that really puzzles me is uh, All Star. All Star uh, guard Ariel Powers. She's uh, publicly stated that she's committed to signing with the Lynx, but they, the team has not officially uh, has not officially uh, made the move. So we wonder what will happen. Apparently, they have three protected contracts already, so they will need they will likely need to trade Odyssey Sims for the, to make the move official. Uh, what's head scratching is yesterday. They traded a 2020 first-round pick, Kiki Herbert Harrigan, for a 2022 first-rounder. So that saves some cap room. But it'll be interesting to see when the Powers signing will be made official. I'm looking my, I'm keeping my eyes out on that one. However, I think the Lynx are probably one of the most exciting young teams in the league. They're, they're for sure going to at least make the, sem- the semifinals. They have... Uh, Crystal Dangerfield is uh, coming off of a rookie, rookie of the Year award. She's really good. I think Nafisha Collier is the best player in the league no one's talking about. Obviously, uh, Stewie, uh, Brianna Stewart obviously is the best player. You have uh, Asia Wilson who just won MVP. But I think Nafisha Collier is a really solid player that no one's talking about. I think she, she's, she's going to be awesome. You have McBride. You have, uh, you have uh, former MVP. Uh, you, you have a... But my goodness, you have a former MVP who missed most of last season, and Sylvia Fowles still down low. So I feel, and you have probably the best coach in the league in Cheryl Reeve, who's who's also running the controls as GM. I think this team is going to be really good this year. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see whatever moves they make as the off season continues. But I, uh, and assuming that the power uh, aerial powers does uh, go on to sign, but I think. There is some hope for Minnesota sports fans. I think the Lynx will be very, very good this year. As we to- as we talked about with Ali earlier, the Vikings will have some interesting moves to make uh, before March 19th when free agency starts. Uh, because uh, it appears that the salary cap number will be around one hundred and eighty-one million dollars, and currently the Vikings will be about seven million dollars over that number. But I think there are some easy ways for the Vikings to have enough cap space to actually make some impact signings. I think it's quite obvious and clear based on his own comments uh, while on Ben Weber's podcast. I think Kyle Rudolph won't be back this year. I understand it'll be a four million dollar dead cap hit, but I think. So by saving roughly six million dollars, and you have Irv Smith Jr., who's who when healthy this past year was a stud in the red zone. I like what I saw from Tyler Conklin also, and you can always draft a tight end day three of the draft. So I think Kyle Kyle Rudolph's not happy with his role here. So I think Kyle Rudolph is an easy cut. Uh, the Vikings on when on Tuesday signed Greg Joseph, who formerly was with the Cleveland Browns a couple years ago. They gave they gave him a small guarantee in his contract, so I think and Dan, Dan Bailey I believe has one point eight million dollar guarantee that's due on the third day of the league year, 
March 20th, I believe. Or, or maybe it's March 9th. It's it's early March that the Vikings have to decide on the one, a two million, roughly $2 million guarantees for both Dan Bailey and uh, Britton Colquitt. I think there's a good chance that they'll have a new kicker and a new punter next season. So I think that's e- that's easy. I think I don't think Shamar Stefan will be back. So I think that's for uh, as Ali alluded to. So that's I think Anthony Barr I believe will be back, but I don't think it'll be at fifteen million dollars. The same goes for Riley Reef. He won't be. I think Riley and also is underscored by the Vikings' uh, generous move today. To uh, get to commit to paying uh, Reef his one million dollar bo- roster uh, signing bonus, uh, he was prom- when he restructured his deal last August to allow Yannick Ngakwe to come. Uh, he was uh, given a one million dollar bonus if he played more than ninety three percent of the team snaps. However, he he was like ninety. I think he was at ninety two point five percent before he missed week seventeen because he had because he had COVID. So the Vikings made uh, the the Vikings still gave it to him, so I think that's a sh- that's a sign of good faith, and I think eventually they'll come to an extension. It won't be a long term extension, but I think they'll give him an extra year or two on his contract to lower the cap hit from thirteen million down to maybe five or six million. Maybe they can bring in a. I th- we'll see. I think I think the same goes for Barr. I think Anthony Barr. Th- I think there's an easy way. To still give Anthony Barr and Daniel Hunter their money, but to lower their cap hit. I'll, I'll talk more about Hunter in the later podcast with my guests in the future of Tyler Fornis of Climbing the of Climbing the Pockets and Daniel House of Gophers Guru. We'll talk more about that issue. But I think I think the Vikings are actually set up nicely. I know right now it doesn't seem like it. It seems like they're so close to the cap and over it actually. But I think the Vikings could have a really nice uh, off season. All right, guys. It's, a gr- it's been great. Uh, thanks, thanks again to Ali for joining us. I'm looking forward to tomorrow when the next the, the next episode of One Division will be released. We can chat about that. We'll chat about some more. We'll chat. We'll hopefully ha- we'll hopefully uh, be able to an- analyze another Gophers victory over Purdue. Um, Assalamu alaikum Have a great evening